We're going to start out in Galatians 3 this morning. We're actually going to reread the first five verses just because I think we need that for context. So we'll start with Galatians 3.1, but before we do, let me pray. Lord, your word is holy, it is true, it is infallible, it is uh, our life source. God, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit into the, the hearts and the minds of those who have never seen or never heard your good news. Pray, God, that this morning you might enlighten those of us who have have seen and have heard before. Those of us that have faith, I pray, God, that you would sharpen our faith. That you would increase our faith, that you would strengthen our faith by the hearing of your word. God, we ask this in your son's precious name. Amen. If you remember, Paul is admonishing uh, those in Galatia, the Gentiles there, who are trying to do more, that are trying to add to um, their faith. And he was pretty stern last week. Uh, I listened to Richard's sermon. I had children's church last week, but I listened to a sermon online this week and um uh, Heard him say, I don't know how I would respond if if Paul told me, you foolish Galatians. <laughs> he goes, I don't think I'd like that very much. Uh, I kind of agree. You know, nobody likes to be called foolish. Nobody likes to be um, caught when they're doing something they're not supposed to do. And usually our first reaction is, well, who are you to tell me that? You know, who are you to say that to me? So... We're going to read 1 through 9, but we're just going to focus on 6 through 9 this morning. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God, And it was counted to him as righteousness. Know, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then... Those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Blessed be the reading of God's word. I wished you could have been with me this week. 
I wish you could have walked through my week and had the experiences that I had and been able to try and read this text and study this text because I'm not going to be able to share that with you in 25 to 30 minutes. I would encourage you to go home and read a lot of text this morning. So if you're taking notes, uh, Genesis 12 through 17, go home and read that. Matthew 1, Mark 1, Luke 1 through 3, John 1 through 3 and 5, read that. Romans 5 through 9, read that. Hebrews The whole book. Read it. (laughs) Spend a little time in chapter 11. And then the entire chapter of Galatians 3. Read it. It's amazing how God's Word is uh, all perfect. It's amazing how every sentence uh, confirms who he is and what he's doing and how he's going to do it. So I'd like to ask you a question as we start this morning. What do you really believe in? I know we're all sitting in church and we're here on Sunday morning and uh, we're here to listen to a sermon and so... Most of us would say, yes, I believe in God. But what do you really believe in? When you wake up tomorrow and you have a flat tire, or you wake up tomorrow and your boss says, don't come back to work, or you wake up tomorrow and a a tragedy has happened, what do you really believe in? Who do you really put your trust in? I've been convicted a lot this week. I I don't want to look in the mirror too much. Because I want to put my trust in this guy. And that's the wrong place. You see, those two questions will tell us a lot about... um, how we're going to handle the hard things in life. What do I really believe in? And who do I really trust? I think Paul was using a a strange way, at first it may seem strange or foreign to us, that Paul inserts Abraham into this uh, admonishment. But the more and more that I looked and the more and more that I read, it was just a beautiful reminder of God's grace through faith. You see, um, when we try to add to our faith, we're, we're subtracting God's grace. <laughs> when we try to add anything to our faith, the cross shrinks to nothing. There's no need for Jesus. And that's a sad reality. 
I think Paul wants us, like the those in his day, to understand that by faith, we, like Abraham, can be counted righteous. But not by works of the law. That we are only sons of Abraham if we put our belief in God. You see, Paul starts chapter 3 the same way he started the other two chapters in this book, by pointing the Galatians back to the gospel. In this case, in our text today, he's reminding them again to remember the gospel that was preached to Abraham. Now you're like, wait a minute. The gospel is the good news about who? Jesus Christ. Okay, well how did Abraham hear that gospel? That's why you need to go home and read all those chapters. But we'll try to get there. The gospel was preached to Abraham. Today we'll see that Abraham was saved by faith, not by works of the law. And it may seem like an odd strategy, but the closer you look, you'll see the genius in what Paul is doing. You see, Paul points to the Galatians, to the man of faith. But he also shows them that they are sons of faith and that their faith comes through the hearing of the word of God. Paul is showing the Gentiles that the act of circumcision isn't what brought Abraham into the kingdom of God and the act of circumcision isn't going to bring them into the kingdom of God. The act of circumcision was the Old Testament sign and seal that Abraham and his family were a part of the kingdom of God and that they were sons of faith, not because of circumcision, but that they were sons of faith because they had believed in God and God had made a covenant with them. That's an important distinction. Abraham and his family were a part of the kingdom of God, not because of circumcision. They were a part of the kingdom of God because they believed and God made them righteous. And then he applied a seal and a sign on his family and said, yes, you are my family. You are admitted into the kingdom of God because you have believed. And this is a sign and a seal to show the world whose you are. How do you believe that you are saved? What if somebody came up to you this week and they said, I notice you've been going to church a lot. I notice that you talk a lot about Jesus. Uh, uh, I heard you say to somebody, you know, somebody just got saved. How do you believe that you're saved? Well, I'd have a a different question to ask you if you ask me that question. I would say, how do, you, how do you say that God says that we are saved? Because to be frank, I really don't care how you think I'm saved. I care what God says. You see, God is a covenant-making, keeping fulfilling God. God has promised to call a people to himself. He's promised to Abram that he would make him the father of many nations. He made a covenant with him and he gave 
Abram not only a new name, Abraham, but he gave him the honor of being the patriarch of the faith. One of the patriarchs, one of the fathers that would be many nations would come from him. You see, Abraham was chosen by God. He was made righteous by God. And Paul says, for us to know then that those of faith are the ones who are the sons of Abraham. Not those that are fleshly related. Not those who are in the lineage of Abraham are necessarily part of the kingdom of God, but those who are sons of faith. See, Paul is alluding to the reality that there's one kingdom. He's he's alluding to the reality there's one family and that there's only one way to be a part of this family. That's by hearing the gospel and believing it. That by faith, God would justify us. That God has counted His elect righteous and that through faith in Jesus, we are made part of His family. That Jesus is the object of our faith. That He is the author of our faith. That He is the perfecter of our faith. That Jesus is the Word of God. That He is God. And that he has become flesh and dwelt among us. If you look back in Genesis 12 at the the calling of Abram. Do you remember what Abram's desire was? Do you remember what he longed for? To have a son. To have an heir. This is one of the most beautiful pictures, I think, this week that Abram wanted one son. (laughs) And God said, I've given you more than the sand on the seashore. More than the stars of the sky. You will be the father of many nations. Not many sons. Many nations. You see, God chose Abram. He made a covenant with him. And he gave him a sign and a seal. So all the world would know. In Genesis 12 it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you of you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And in Genesis 15, the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs. And will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. 
but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And when the sun had gone down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I give this land. And in 17, when Abram was 99 years old, some 14 years after he had had a son, Ishmael, with his maidservant, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face. And God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring, after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Then he talks about circumcision. The covenant was made before... Abraham was circumcised. It was confirmed before he was circumcised. Circumcision did not make the covenant. It sealed it. It was a sign that it was a reality. That God's word is true. That God's word is trustworthy. That God's word is everlasting. And so in our text today, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So I ask you today, what do you believe? Have you heard the gospel? Have you heard the good news that The Lord, He is God. Have you heard His voice whisper to you, uh, bow the knee to me. I am your God. 
Have you confessed that, that you are sinful, that, that you have been striving to be God and failed? You see, there's only one way. That's by believing in God. By Him giving us His righteousness through His Son, Jesus Interesting, this next verse, verse 8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Paul is personifying scripture here. Uh, Scripture is God's Word. Scripture is uh, the Lord Himself. But He says, And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify. The power of Scripture is displayed. God's Word, God's law, God's ability to speak to us through His Word is what justified the Gentiles by faith. By the preaching of the gospel to Abraham. There's a book that uh, I've read a couple times and I went back to it this week. It's called When Grace Comes Home by Terry Johnson. When Grace Comes Home by Terry Johnson. He says this in uh, on page 119. He says, The Reformed faith is always emphasize the continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Seeing the two covenants as being bound together by one underlying covenant of grace. Thus, we are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise, which we'll get to probably in a couple weeks out of Galatians 3.29. The Old Testament saints, as well as we, are saved by grace, saved by faith, saved by Christ, and required to keep the law. But did they truly trust in Christ? Yes, they did. In types and shadows and promises, their faith was certainly without the clarity of vision which we have on this side of incarnation. Yet it was a genuine faith in the Messiah. Thus Abraham had the gospel preached to him, Galatians 3.8, Genesis 12.3, And he, as Jesus said, rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. The Lord also promised in Jeremiah uh, a new covenant was coming, that David would have a righteous branch that would rise up, that there would be an eternal covenant king sitting on the throne. We see that in Jeremiah 33 says behold the days are coming declares the Lord when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah in those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this 
is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel, and the Levitical priest shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to make sacrifices forever. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, You can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that the day and the night will not come At their appointed time, then also my covenant with David, my servant, may be broken, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne. Obviously, we cannot break God's covenant. And you see that as you read the rest of that chapter. But apparently, the leaders in Jesus' day forgot this. John 8, the Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it. And he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known Him. I know Him. And if I were to say that I do not know Him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know Him, and I keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. They had forgotten the promise. (laughs) Jews, the people of God, the people who said, you are my God, had no idea who Jesus was. Church, I'm afraid we're the same way. I'm afraid we come to church on Sunday and we say, you are my God, I love you. But what do we really believe? What are we really clinging to? What are we trusting in? It was the same with Moses. It was the same with David. It was the same with Peter at Pentecost. 
the prophets, and the priests all modeled the prophetic, kingly, and priestly work of Christ. In the Old Testament, the sacrificial system anticipated the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. The Old Testament was Christ. Jesus himself said, before Abraham was, I am. He said, I I was there in creation. I was there when the patriarchs lived. I was there for it all. You see, the Old Testament was Christ. It was grace. It was faith-centered And yet the law of God regulated the life of the people. If you've studied Calvin, you know he proposed a third use to the law. Besides being convicting, besides uh, convicting us of our sins, besides restraining evildoers, Calvin said that the law was useful for the instruction of believers. The law, the word of God. Who is the Word of God? What does John 1 1 say? Jesus. Jesus is what we need to live a faith filled life, a life being sons of faith in the family of God. To be in the kingdom of God, we need Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17 through 19, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is what Paul was telling the Gentiles in Galatia. We can't relax these commandments, these laws. God's law says that there's nothing we can do to earn grace. There's nothing we can do to earn grace. It is by faith that we are saved. Paul is showing the Gentiles that Jesus has fulfilled all the law and the prophets. Jesus is not the only prophet we need. He's not not only the most high and the better priest we need, but he's also the king of kings. Jesus is all three. He's the word that we need. He's the shepherd that we need. He's the king that we need. And by faith, by faith, Jesus is the prophet that we follow. By faith, Jesus is the priest that that intercedes for us. And he's the king that we're able to serve. Prophet, priest, 
and king. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Jesus came through the line of Abraham. And all the nations have been blessed. And will continue to be. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. I think today as we look at our text, there's there's five good takeaways that are straight out of the text. You know, last week there was five questions that that Paul asked. He said, who has bewitched you? Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing by faith? Are you so foolish that you now are trying to be perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things? In vain, or was it indeed in vain? And does he who supplies the Spirit to you work miracles among you? Does he do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? In verses 6 through 9, Paul gives us a reminder of God's faithfulness through Abraham. God's grace through faith. God poured out His grace on on Abram. He not only gave him a new name, He not only gave him an heir in Isaac, He not only uh, gave him uh, multitudes of multitudes of possessions, but He said, I will bless the nations through you. God's faithfulness to Abraham and to us come through faith. God's blessings come to, to us by the power of His Word. God is the giver of righteousness. God is the giver of blessings. Look at verses 6-9 through nine and look at God's grace to us. Abraham was saved by nothing else. This is the first takeaway. A- Abraham was saved by nothing else but faith in God. God graciously counted to Abraham righteousness. Second, only those of faith are considered sons of Abraham. Third, Scripture is simply God's Word. Paul says that the Scripture foresees that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And the gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham. Fourth, the result is that all of those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Five, Jesus has become the law for us. He's become our righteousness. God has justified us by giving us the opportunity to put our faith in Jesus. Jesus is the blessing every nation longs for. Jesus was the man of faith that we put our faith in.
I believe Paul is showing the Gentiles that the gospel says there's a plan for them. There's a plan for us this morning, and it's not based on what we do. If you just read through Galatians chapter 3, you see the word faith 15 times in this chapter. You see the word law 14 times. You see the term promise used 9 times. Christ and, and God and the Holy Spirit are referred to some 23 times, and Abraham 8 times. Paul wants the Gentiles to hear loud and clear that God has promised to be their God. That God, by faith, is establishing his kingdom for those that are men of faith. For those that have placed their faith and believed the gospel, the good news about Jesus. He's trying to remind the Gentiles of what their promise is. That they can lay hold of this promise by faith and it's not by works of the law. You see, the gospel Jesus himself preached is that the kingdom of God is at hand. If you walk through the gospels, if you read through the gospels, you will see again and again and again Jesus talking about the kingdom. Paul is trying to share this with the Gentiles. Believe in Jesus. Understand nothing you do will give you entrance into the kingdom of God, but you have been engrafted into the kingdom. Jesus has made a way for you to enter into his kingdom. If you go home and you read the first few chapters of all the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus began his public ministry by being baptized. He didn't begin his public ministry by uh, declaring that that he was the greatest. He didn't declare his public ministry by uh, showing uh, years and years of theological training um, he was baptized by John the Baptist. Made me think about this week a lot about that thought. Why? Why was Jesus baptized? Jesus didn't need to be baptized, did he? He's the Son of God. He's the Son of the Most High. He is God. He's the second person of the Trinity. Remember what God says to Jesus after the Holy Spirit is poured out on him? And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. You are my beloved son. The kingdom was at hand. Jesus had inaugurated the kingdom of God. And, and Jesus was saying, by being baptized, this is the sign and the seal of family membership. 
Baptism didn't make Jesus a part of the family of God. (laughs) He was an original member. But God poured out His Holy Spirit and said, You are my beloved Son. Just like God did with Abraham, except this Son was different. (laughs) This Son fulfilled all the laws. And all the prophets. And this son would become the king of kings. This son would be the one who would uh, admit entrance for all families. The new covenant sign and seal was displayed for us in the Gospels. We're introduced to Jesus. He was baptized. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit. God's covenant was that those who believe in Him, those that believe in Him would not perish, but would have eternal life with Him. An eternal covenant with an eternal King that sits and reigns and rules forever who says, I am your God. I will meet every need that you have. The Westminster Confession of Faith says that efficacy of baptism is not tied to the moment of time wherein it is administered. Yet, notwithstanding, by the right use of this ordinance, the grace promised is not only offered but really exhibited and conferred by the Holy Ghost to such, whether of age or infants, as that grace belongeth unto, according to the counsel of God's own will in his appointed time. An ordinance of grace. God's grace through faith. That's the only way. That's the only way to be members of the kingdom of God. And, and Paul was driving this home to the Gentiles. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we we uh, just cry out to you today that you would give us the faith that we need to believe in the good news of the gospel, that Jesus really is the prophet we want to hear from, the priest that we want to run to, and the king we want to live for. Jesus is the great I am. He was before all things. All things were created in and for and by Him. There's nothing that exists that isn't yours. You stand at the threshold and yell, All is mine. (laughs) There's not one square inch that you can't have control over. Oh God, let us submit willingly and lovingly.
as your sons and daughters. Let us go from this place today wanting to live out your law in such a way, in such a contagious, infectious, loving, heartfelt way that people would look at us and say, what are they living for? What are they believing in? Who do they trust? We can point to our God. Say, we serve a mighty God. A God that has given us access to the kingdom that never ends. We ask this in your son's precious name. Amen.